everyone, I'm Sheree. And I'm Han, and you're listening to It Just Got Real. So Han, how's putting all your business on the internet this week going? (laughs) Girl, I really did. So I think this is something that really going to resonate with all you creative people out there, which I know so many of you are. And I was inspired to talk about this very real moment this week by my friend Jasmine. Shout out to Jasmine. She's amazing. Hey, girl. Because as a designer, and that's what I am first, I do a lot of other things. I'm a product person. I'm a founder. But I'm first a designer. And so something I have always struggled with and I just hate doing is putting together a portfolio. It is literally the worst thing. Like looking through all of your past projects, realizing how much you've grown, like being reminded of how shitty they are or looking at them and being like, damn, that was really good. Maybe I'm actually worse now. Like (laughs) reliving all of the PTSD of being inside those companies, sifting through all of these like gnarly messed up files on my hard drive that I like didn't organize properly. Because who does? So if that wasn't (laughs) bad enough, right? Then you have to put it on the internet. You do. Then you're just like taking a little piece of your heart and putting it out there on a plate and being like, hey, world, judge me now. And (laughs) it's really hard. The inner voice that you just did. (laughs) It's like really hard. So I'm definitely a recovering perfectionist, like 100%. I used to be so bad at this shit. And now I think like this podcast is actually a great example of how, you know, like it, we're not perfect on here. We're kind of letting it all hang we're out and it's cool. Not. But I really had to learn the power of vulnerability. That was a very difficult thing for me to learn. And it was something that took years and years and years of like just kind of me struggling with it. But I think that putting your work online is always really difficult, whether you're a designer or a writer or a musician or an artist or a dancer or anybody that does anything that comes from yourself and you have to put it out there. There is something absolutely terrifying about that moment where you press the button and you're like, okay, here it goes. (laughs) Like, let's see what people think of this. Um, And if you're a perfectionist, it's even worse because you want it to be perfect. And of course, nothing ever is, right? So I wanted to ask you some questions because I want to know, and I'm sure people listening want to know, like, what was it like in the moment? How long did it take you to do it? What did you put into it? What were you thinking? So let me back up. The reason I decided to do this in the first place, like, why would I do this to myself? Like, let's start there. Why would I put myself through this pain? So I had been wanting to do this for a while. My website was like woefully outdated. It was from like 2015. It didn't even like say where I worked right now. It was just bad. And also I've had a lot of really cool projects that I wanted to get on there. Like I've done a ton of writing recently. I've got this podcast I wanted to put on there. Like I wanted to update it and make it more of like a, hey, this is what Hannah Donovan is all about. And Mm -hmm. also because we're fundraising right now, hey investors, I was like, you know, this is the first search result when you Google my name, this is the first thing that comes up. Mm. It's like above my LinkedIn profile. So- Which is impressive. Yeah, like it's got really good SEO. I've owned that domain for a long time. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, I should do something about this. This is when people are looking at me, they're looking at my company, they wanna know my story. Why did I decide to do this? Like. Why am I the best person to build this kind of company? Mm -hmm. This is my opportunity to tell that story in a slightly more personal way than like what you see on my LinkedIn. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself one weekend to do this. That's it. Mm -hmm. I cannot take any time out of my workday. We're talking Saturday morning to Sunday night. That's it. We're putting it down. 
And I just did it. Like Saturday night rolled around. And of course, you know, nobody has plans right now. So here I am like working on my websites, like late on Saturday night, listening to some tunes. And I'm like, damn, you know, this is like, this is actually kind of coming together. Like I'll have this thing done tomorrow. And I was like, wow, why was I able to just do it this time when Mm. all the other times it had been like this fight with myself, Mm. this fight with the like, not good enough monster that mm. lives in my closet and under my bed and in my shower and I think it lives in my mirror and like in my fridge. That thing is fucking everywhere. So, and also like in a way when I was done, I was actually like, huh, you know, this just feels right. This feels very me. It's very rich. There's a lot of content on there. There's a lot about my story and and everything that I've done. And so- Don't forget I think the font, f- Hannah. Oh yeah, the fonts. The font choices are so you. <laughs> So something y'all should know is that Sheree and I actually talk about typography quite a bit. And um, I love typography. It was my favorite subject in design school. And I also always had top marks in that class. And I kind of pride myself on like usually pretty good at type. So I didn't even like do the thing where you run around and like look at all these other portfolio sites and compare yourself to your friends and Mm. pull up all your favorite designers and go, oh, what are they doing? I just was like, you know, I don't have time for this shit. And also I know that comparing yourself to other people is not helpful. Mm -mm. Give yourself time box at 15 minutes to like do a little bit of inspiration, throw together a mood board and like, let's go. Mm. And so... I had one typeface that I loved and was on there before. And I was like, I think I want to keep using this, but I want to pair it with like a different body copy because I didn't like what I'd chosen before. And Mm -hmm. it just didn't feel like me anymore. And so I went to like the one website where I know I always find interesting inspiration. Within five pages of looking through it, I was like something along these lines. Googled a few different typefaces that were kind of like what I was looking for with the sorts of like thicks and thins and like feeling I wanted and like, Within 10 minutes, I found one that I was like, yeah, this looks great. Purchased it and was like, cool, let's go. And I didn't even pause to like do a bunch of comparisons and like, oh, let's draw 10 different type pairings and like see what works. I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm just going to pick one and like, let's go. (laughs) And I mean, I think some of this is also what comes with experience. Mm -hmm. I'm an experienced enough designer that I don't have to do that stuff anymore. And so I'm grateful that I'm at this point in my career where I can just do it without having to do a lot of planning and sketching like I used to. Mm -hmm. But also there's something very freeing about just like going with your gut instinct. Well, it's interesting to me that when you were like setting the stage for your why of taking this project on, one of the things you said that stuck out to me was like, I need to do this so I can have a more personal expression of who I am yeah. beyond LinkedIn. And, and it's funny, even listening to you, like I don't have a personal website. I own the domain. But this idea that like, yes, there are existing structures, whether they're interviews that somebody did of you or your LinkedIn or I guess maybe your Facebook, but uh, I wouldn't trust what's on there about me. <laughs> but anyway, like the point being, they're all putting yourself in somebody else's user interface box. Mm-hmm. And especially as a designer, that's actually the worst place yeah. for you to try to like stick yourself into. And so I guess my question to you is, how much do you think you going in with like, this is about me being able to share myself my way, influenced your ability to come to decisions quicker. Did you have that mindset the last few times you tried to attempt this? So I think this time 
and this is going to sound so cheesy, but I was like definitely doing the thing where, you know, they say just be yourself Mm. and it feels effortless and it feels easy when you're just being yourself. But I wasn't thinking about that going into it. I was really thinking more about the time box that I had given myself. Like, Mm. okay, I have to do this fast. So therefore there wasn't any time to do a lot of like navel gazing and like, you know, rolling around in other people's designs. I just kind of had to do it. Mm. And I think because of that time pressure, it forced me to just be myself. And I also think that at this point, I know myself so much better. But Mm. yeah, to answer your question, like before, like, oh man, I would have spent weekends researching things and like Mm. trying things out and throwing out concepts and working on other ones. And yeah, a lot of it was because I was just like, I'm just going to do what feels right for me. Like I know my style. I know what kind of typography I like. I know what kind of colors I like. And I'm just going to go. I love this. (laughs) And not overthink it, which is what I always did before because that not good enough monster came out and then I would overthink it and then it would be like a week later. And so this time there was no overthinking because of that intense deadline. Yeah. So that was like one thing that was really different this time. And then I think the other thing that was really different this time is I also went into it with the perspective of okay, like instead of worrying about whether this is good enough, how about I just put it out there and let the audience decide? I love that. I mean, even when you told me you did this and I went to your website, I was so impressed by my friend that I already know. (laughs) And even just going to the page where, and it's hannahdonovan.com if you guys want to check it out. But even just going to the page where I saw you doing all these super serious ass talks, I was just like, wow, all of your projects, all the places you've worked, contributed to. It was, I know most of these things about you and still seeing it in that format was inspiration like for me. And I think there's this like part you do for yourself. But the other part is like, the part you're giving to others. Absolutely. Like what you're giving to others. And I think I just went into it also this time with like, no, you know, I've actually done some kind of legit things at this point in my career. So I must be okay at this. So I'll just let the audience decide. (laughs) I know this sounds so self-deprecating, but like that was the attitude I went into it with. And I have done some things that are interesting. So why don't I just put it out there and Maybe this is useful to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, somebody else looks at this and they're either inspired by it, they decide they don't like it, that's cool too, they make a choice, they learn something about their tastes or what they want. I've learned so much from other people's content, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put this out there and try to be generous with my community. And so a really interesting thing happened actually, which was about... 48 hours after I put this site live and I was speaking at this conference in Australia. Not actually, because we can't travel I'm right like, now, how, but was... how did you get there? <laughs> I was speaking on a Zoom call with Melbourne, uh, the University of Melbourne, I should say. And afterwards, one of the organizers or people affiliated with it, she wrote me and was like, oh, thanks so much for sharing so much inspiration and wisdom in the panel. And that was so great. And like, also for putting so much out there, like all of these blog posts, podcasts and cool stuff. And it was like this immediate validation right after I had done that project that like, Mm. here is an example of how this is useful to somebody. Wow. And that felt great. I mean, can we all just do things and get like that instant (laughs) validation? Like we would never have like founder dropout if we could do that. Normally you put something on the internet and it's like crickets. crickets. But 
yeah, she said something really nice. And I was like, huh, you know, that's pretty cool. And then this morning, actually, I was reading an email that I love, um, this email called Very Good Copy that just has some really good tips on writing. And there was this quote at the very beginning of it that I tweeted, which is, writers share their work, perfectionists hoard it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing for years as I was hoarding it. And like, what a miserly existence as a creative person to hoard your yeah. work from other people. And it's so actually like selfish yeah. not to share it. And not in like this the good time. self-care selfish, but like the no, actual No, like selfish. just selfish selfish. Yeah. And that's what this pod is all about, right? Like we're sharing these things with people so that hopefully it can be helpful or I don't know, funny mm-hmm. or inspiring or whatever you decide. Mm-hmm. Like anything, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that was the moment. I love it. That moment is dope. This idea that things have to be all the way done or all the way perfect is like the enemy of progress for so many of us. Absolutely. Right. Like I think about my own best things. It's almost always the stuff that I was like, I felt it and then I just did it. And it's not to say like you don't plan or you don't. But I think something about really knowing why you're doing something and tapping into the vein. And I love the time box piece because time boxing anything is literally the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. It's what happens in a design sprint. It's what happens in anything worthwhile because forcing yourself to get to done is the way to get to done. Exactly. And like done is better than perfect. And perfection is the enemy of progress. I love that, Sheree. It is. I love that. We should cut to a record scratch moment because I know you had one this week with chicken wings. God, these chicken wings. So this record scratch moment is called racist chicken wings. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what happened. So I've been quarantining in Florida. Well, up until now. Mm -hmm. And one, Florida is a cluster. Yeah. And so I very much had to be isolated in my house. So it wasn't like I was like out in the world. It was like the United States of my Airbnb rental. The only human contact is like the public's grocery store run and like waving to people from my kayak. Like that's the extent of like interaction. <laughs> so I'm picturing you kayaking to the grocery store right now, which is a great image. <laughs> so we were winding down our time in Florida and really wanted some chicken wings, like really badly. So I'm like a master at finding good takeout and delivery. Like I understand like how to read a Google review versus a Yelp review versus a Postmates review. Like I'm really good at this. And so I found this really cool sounding chicken wing spot and... (laughs) Cool sound. It was like the the chicken wings had really funny names. Like one of them was like dick beer balls in it, chicken flavor wings. Like it was like one of those things where like they're gonna be this obnoxious, like it's probably really good kind of thing. So I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) We're gonna place this order and go pick them up. And so we drive to go pick up these wings. And it's good because it's really hard to pick up chicken wings in a kayak. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I go into the spot and it was like one of those things where you walk in and you immediately know something's off. Uh-oh. And for me, this was like not one person had a mask on. Oh, like not Florida. even the person behind the counter had one on. And I was just like, oh, because it's bad in Florida, but I hadn't been to a place that was like just that reckless. So I was like, ooh. And then it was like before I could process that nobody had masks on, I start noticing these huge Confederate flags everywhere. Oh. You know how in those like, horror movies 
when like they walk in and realize the killer's right behind them, it starts flashing red and it's like, yeah. Eh, eh, eh. This was me. Like, this is me seeing the Confederate flags. Like, I felt like they were surrounding me. Then it was like all these Trump for America, no more bullshit 2020. Every square inch of this chicken wing places. And I had already paid for the order online. And so I'm like frozen now in this chicken wing place. Like, wing nuts, Cape Coral, Florida. (laughs) Like, just so you people know, this is what's happening. So I'm there. My teeth are clenched. I literally feel under attack. And it was, like, so bad. They had even, like, a Confederate flag over the exit door with the, like, a definition. And it was like, this is what this means. It was just so OD. So I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please just give me my chicken wings. Because we order a lot. Like, we ordered, like, $100 of food, which is really hard to do in Florida. And there was no turning back. I'd already swiped my card. Everything was done. Shit. And so the woman is like, you want me to help you take these out to the car? And I'm like, no. Please just give me the chicken wings so I can go. And so I finally have the chicken wings in hand. And I say to her, for all of the copy and language and quirkiness on your website, you ought to just put these Confederate flags up there too so people know what they're walking into. And she just like clutched her imaginary pearls as I like stormed out of the place. But it was so crazy. Like then I get back to the house and- Did you eat them? We eat the wings and here's the rub. (laughs) These racist chicken wings were so good. They were like the best chicken wings ever. (laughs) And so like the next day, I forget what we were about to eat, but it was like some questionable place. We were like, ooh, but what about this? And what about that? And I just was like, we ate those racist chicken wings yesterday. Like that. So now, like, amongst my friends that I was quarantining with, like, everything food is, like, has a reference to racist chicken wings. But it was crazy. That's insane. Why would they do that? Because America. Yeah, because. I mean, not all America, but. I hope you left them a really bad review. Did you? I haven't had the time, but I do want to. It's like a good chicken wings, but really terrible location review. Right. That's what I want to do. Like, because the chicken wings were just so good. I was so mad. Mad. I wanted them to be so bad so that I could be like, oh, and then I was like, damn it, not ordering again. But these are really good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my uh, wing nuts, people. Wing nuts. Stay clear of Stay wing clear. nuts. <laughs> Stay clear of them. Wow. That is a trip. Yeah. Damn. It was crazy. Trey. It was crazy, but also funny. <laughs> In the moment, it was not funny Sounds at all. Terrifying. In the moment, it, I was literally like, how do I get out of here? Like, just microaggressions, macroaggressions, like all of them. All of them. <laughs> just, all aggressions. just aggressions. I think it's just, just aggressions. aggressions. Just aggressions. Anyway, what is your record scratch moment this week? So I had a record scratch moment that's oddly similar to yours in that it was also terrifying, <laughs> but kind of funny and kind of like a calm screw up on the part of the organization. So I've been like trying to get a COVID test for a while, not because I am too concerned, but just because I think it's like a responsible thing mm-hmm. to do. And now it that is. go get tested. And now that it's a little bit more opening up and it's easier to get one, I was like, oh, let me just go do this. I have health insurance. And I think the idea that you should only test people who seem to be symptomatic is totally insane. And that's part of the problem here. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I was like, there's this health clinic very near where I live in Los Angeles. I can like walk there. And because this is another problem in LA, most of the coronavirus tests are drive-throughs. So you have to have a car to do it. (laughs) I don't know why 
that's funny to me, but it was. I mean, it's funny, but it's also really fucked it's up because you know how many people don't have a car? Like, I don't have a car yet. I'm working on that. That's a whole thing. There'll be a podcast episode on when I finally get a car. <laughs> <laughs> but so I was like, cool, I can walk to this place. But it's like really hard to get an appointment because, you know, life, America, healthcare. So mm-hmm. I was like looking on the website and then all of a sudden one just like popped up on Saturday morning and I was like, oh, damn, I can make it there. Like, I just I can be there in like 30 minutes. This is perfect. I'll go get this done. They stick a Q-tip up my nose. It's great. Um, It's not great. Uh, It feels very weird. It doesn't hurt, but it feels very weird. And then I leave. And um, this morning, like, workday is just starting. Like, I get this message on my phone, and I, like, look at it, and it says, Hi, Hannah. Your symptoms appear to be viral, and therefore we need to have further tests done in order to confirm the diagnosis. And I'm like... What? (laughs) Like, first of all, this was only two days ago. So there's no way that the test results can be in yet. This is absolutely like impossible because they told me it would take seven to 10 days. Also, it doesn't say you have coronavirus. It says your symptoms appear to be viral. Like what kind of viral? Like what viral, like viral on the internet and shared many times? Like what do you mean? So I call them, right? Like in between meetings this morning, like I'm like, hi, like I'm calling about this cryptic message I got like what's going on so bad (laughs) am I gonna die like is everything okay public health messaging gone wrong (laughs) and they're like oh no your test results aren't in yet they won't show up for another seven to ten days I'm like right that's what I thought they're like oh we just send every patient that as a follow-up so that you (laughs) I was like what (laughs) so even you send every patient a follow-up that says your symptoms appear to be viral like what (laughs) Who is running your comms, okay? (laughs) Let's talk about this. I was like, can I just give you some feedback? Like, I think maybe you should consider changing the messaging of that just to be a little bit more clear because, you know, we're in a global pandemic and so people's sensitivities are a bit heightened to the word virus and the way this reads, it doesn't sound awesome. And she was like, oh yeah, you know, I'll pass that on to my tech team, sure. To her tech team, not the team that's doing this message, but okay, girl. Okay. That's so crazy. I mean, you know, I used to work for the CDC. Like, I literally used to work in public health. (laughs) In public health communication, that text is like how not to communicate to people during a public health crisis 101. Because it doesn't even say anything, right? But just things that (sighs) sound scary. Yeah, and unnecessary. That's so wild. But also, seven to ten days is forever, but we're not going to talk about the current state of testing because we'd be down an entire rabbit hole yeah but instead of that rabbit hole we should go on to our culture moments Well, I had a lovely discovery this past couple of weeks, which is that one of my favorite radio shows, Selection. Shout out to Selection. I love you guys. I've been listening to them religiously since they started on SoundCloud. And now, of course, they have their Beats One show and it's like a big deal. But they stopped making shows for a while during the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I was like, are they coming back? What's going to happen? And then they like, I looked the other day and like, they came back. And I was like, so happy because my Sunday ritual is to always listen to the selection show. And I also, mm. I'm like slightly embarrassed to admit this, but I'll say it anyway. I just like leave auto Shazam on at the same time. Ah! <laughs> so that I know all the tracks. New and playlist. that's one of the ways I find all the best music. 
because I love everything. That's kind of a hack. You shouldn't be embarrassed. I'm going to do it now. (laughs) Well, I'm a bit embarrassed because I should like know all the songs, but they play some pretty deep cuts. I don't know everything. It's like, I'd say I know 20% of it. That's you who like prides yourself on being like the music (laughs) person. No one else is embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm so happy that Selection was back. What about you, Sheree? You discovered some new music this week, right? I did because I drove back from Florida, New York. You know what I feel like? I'm just like pandemic epicenter hopping. Like I left New York when New York was like the height of the pandemic. Really bad. I go. I went to Florida like, oh, escape. I leave Florida and now Florida is like the epicenter moment. And I'm just like, what is my life? But anyway. I mean, I don't know. I had to go to New York in the middle of the pandemic. And then when I I got... I forgot about that. Yeah. And it was really, really bad. It was actually awful. People were still like clapping it was oh yeah and there was ambulances screaming by like every hour it was actually awful it was a really terrible half thing that i had to do but when i got back i was like oh my god i'm so glad to leave i got to la and then numbers here just like went through the roof we just can't get together neither one of us neither one of us can like steer clear (laughs) yeah it's everywhere a mess thank god for remote work so you're driving back to new york you got some jams driving back to new york and my musicals well, not this time. On the way down, we definitely <laughs> listen to musicals. But anyway, oh my friend that I quarantined I'm just making fun with, of you. It's okay. I don't mind. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm all about musicals and judge me if you want to. So my friend Carmen that I stayed with, she's actually a musician. Oh, cool. She's a part of this band called Foreign Exchange. I don't know if you know them, but she's in it. Cool. So her and her daughter Jai, like their music range is like on 10. Like I've got a pretty like wide ranging sort of music library. Yeah. But like theirs is so much better than mine. It's not even funny. So like I'm a DJ and I didn't attempt to like control the car music. Wow. So two discoveries happened on this ride back. The first is this rapper called Flo Millie. Okay. I like this name already. Her album name though is called Ho, comma, Why Is You Here. Amazing. Ho, Why Is You Here. I need this. It's actually kind of the best thing. She's from Alabama. And she's this, like, young, up-and-coming rapper. And I read this interview that she did, like, now that I'm, like, obsessed with her. And it was, like, she wanted to just be, like, a woman that's, like, petty, but make it self-empowerment. And something about that, I was like, oh, like me. Like, basically petty, but also, like, Uh, empowering women. And (laughs) it's like, this is the greatest thing. So I fell in love with her even more after she was like petty, but make it women's empowerment. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. I love it. And like flow Millie, everyone. Millie, like a Millie, a Millie, that kind of. Like that, like literally. And so that's like one extreme of my new music discoveries. On the far other extreme is I also discovered Rufus Wainwright. So yeah, (laughs) like literally. Oh my God. Where were you when I was in college? Never heard of him. And it was so weird the way it happened. Like, what? Oh my God. Canadian sad boy. I love him. This was like, welcome to the early 2000s, Trey. I didn't even know. I mean, he's great. What happened to him? What is he doing now? Releasing albums. So I I was in the backseat, minding my business, reading Startup Nation, which is a really, really good book. And shout out to Shai from Silicon Valley Bank, who, after I went through my whole Jewish heritage discovery, told me I should read that book. So anyway, that's an aside. So I was like reading. (laughs) And every time I would like look up and be like, who's this song by? It was like three times in a row consistently 
Rufus Wainwright, who'd made his way into the like random iTunes playlist. I adore his voice, his song choice, his musicality. He's got a very specific kind of voice, yeah. It just speaks to my soul. So Flo Millie and Rufus Wainwright, at the same time... Opposite ends of the spectrum. They're now in my musical lexicon, and I'm pretty happy about it. I love that for you. (laughs) For me, specifically. (laughs) I feel like I had my Rufus Wainwright time. (laughs) I love that you've arrived, Sheree. (laughs) Well, you have to listen to Flo Millie and tell me about it. No, I'm definitely listening to her. I don't know. I don't like listening to sad boys with guitars anymore. I think I'm over that. Like the Eric Clapton era? I think, yeah, like all of it. I don't know. Sad boys with guitars. I'm still into it if their voice is good. Sometimes you need Mm, that moment. Maybe Leonard Cohen, maybe. I I don't know. I need to think about that. That was a broad generalization. I'm going to think about that a little bit more before I say it on the podcast. Well, I mean, you kind of already said it. Edit that out, Sam. No, I'm kidding. I mostly don't listen to sad music. Okay. Um, Any non-music moment? Yeah. So, girl, I have been reading this book. So, for the 4th of July, I went to Arizona with my friend Summer, or to meet my friend Summer, and she recommended this book to me called Attached, which I'm sure everybody listening knows about. But somehow, I made it to 38 years old, never having heard about Attachment Theory. It happens. It happens. It's like Rufus Wainwright. (laughs) So, apparently... you. Well done. Well done. It's like a whole branch of psychology about attachment theory and how we attach to other people. And there's the gist of it is like there's three main types, like secure, which is what you want to be anxious, which is pretty self-explanatory and avoidant, which is also very self-explanatory. Then there's this fourth, very rare bucket called anxious avoidant, which is I'm pretty sure what I was for like most of my life, which explains a lot about my messed up relationship history. (laughs) The good news is, is that you can change and these attachment styles are plastic and sort of depending on your life experiences and your self-awareness, you can you can move out of them. Mm. So they're not boxes you're stuck in forever. So that's good. Um, But it's been fascinating reading because not only has it given me a lot of insight to my past relationships and maybe how I want to be in the future, but also why like certain relationships with coworkers and friends and bosses Mm. and like business relationships why I'm attracted to working with some people and collaborating with Mm -hmm. them and why certain things don't work out. Mm -hmm. It's a really fascinating book on every level and I recommend that one. But you've probably already read it because I'm coming late to this. It's okay. I've got Rufus, you've got Attached, and there we are. (laughs) I love it. So we are nearing the end of our time And I don't want people to forget the gems you dropped earlier. Right. So why don't we do this young recap of the takeaways and then, you know, get on with it. So I think the key takeaways for my story and my moment this week are that, first of all, like the thing that was really the catalyst for the learnings was like, if you have to do something uncomfortable, just time box it Mm. or find some way to give yourself some kind of arbitrary deadline or way to get it over with because necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. Like when you are in that mode, that's when you get creative. That's when you're like, okay, how do I figure out how to get this done in 48 hours? Mm -hmm. That was super important. And then the other one is like to let the audience decide because we are all our own worst critics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we self-censor, then we don't even give other people the opportunity to give us feedback. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And I think the last one is like, share, don't hoard. Mm. We all have so much great stuff that we can be sharing and learning from. And why not just put it out there and see what happens? And isn't that sort of like a nice emotion to have run through you when you put something out there? Like, I'm just going to share this because if I didn't, I'd be sort of selfish to keep it all to myself. And looking at sharing your work as giving. It is. You just never know what's inspiring people. I mean, (laughs) I have one random thing that I'll add before we go. Yeah. I want your takeaway. So part of what drove you to this and finding a space in this moment was you really leaning into telling your own story. Mm -hmm. That's something that people should really like center into, like with whatever you're doing. It's really, and we talk about authenticity on this show a lot. It's called It Just Got Real. So I would hope that's what we're doing. (laughs) But this was such a great example of it, like being in action. So I I wanted to make sure to like throw that in there too. I love that. Yep. Be yourself. Yes. And on that note, everyone, thank you for listening to episode of 11. It just got real. And we are excited to talk to you on the internet. So yeah, drop us a comment. Say hi on Twitter or on Instagram where got real pod. We might even do an IG live. Would you be into that? We could ask questions and like maybe do this live. I think it'd be mad fun. I think it'd be fun. I love it. We got plans. So say hi and thank you so much for listening. Please consider even rating us if you like Ooh, this show. Oh, that would show. be cool. I think so, right? We're at episode 11. I think we're getting better now. Let us know. We need the affirmation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See y'all later. Bye.